welcome to the Leader to Leader podcast from Chime, where we bring you the top innovators in digital health leadership with your host, the president and CEO of Chime, Russ Branzell. Hello and welcome to the Leader to Leader podcast, a Chime Foundation series where we bring you the best of the best in digital health leadership. I'm Russ Branzell, your host for this podcast and the president and CEO of Chime, the College of Healthcare Information Management Executives. We continue to live and evolve through challenging times for healthcare professionals, our industry partners, and the people we serve. Leaders across the industry have proven their talent and determination as they innovate and transform their organizations to meet the moment and shape the future. We're proud to know those leaders and support them here at Chime. Today, we welcome a special business leader who has a passion for improving patient outcomes through building meaningful relationships, especially those ones that we're dealing with with today's toughest issues around workforce, workforce engagement and retention. Um, and that person is the Chief Executive Officer for iMethods, a friend of Chime. Please join me in welcoming to this podcast, Clint Drotty. Welcome to the program, Clint. Hey, Russ. Appreciate you having me. I appreciate the opportunity. Well, hey, we say it's interesting times. I mean, I, at this point, I'm just afraid to even watch the news most nights because you never know what might be burning down somewhere or record heats. You and I are both Floridians here. You just happen to be a little bit farther north than me. And uh, I think it's probably about what, about 7,000 degrees where you are and about 8,000 degrees where I am? Yeah, maybe more. <laughs> I'll tell you, at this point, I'm just staying inside and praying my air conditioner continues to work. So, hey, I, and we say it both in a positive and a negative way. It's never been more challenging times in our industry, whether that be the economic pressures that are out there, the complexity of healthcare, uh, but most importantly, the workforce you are, but also the greatest opportunities and the greatest opportunities to change, transform, as we mentioned before. And I'd love to hear how things are going for you, your organization, maybe even tell us a little bit about iMethods. Sure, appreciate it, Russ. Uh, you are right. The uh, I feel like we keep saying this over the years that the complexity, the challenges and all this, uh, just they don't stop, right? And they just evolve a little bit. But we are, um, I'll probably give you a quick internal view and then an external view on things, how things are going. The internal view is, um, thankfully, we've been really um, busy and doing meaningful work um, across the country. And that's been really good for us. Uh, and we're also really just deeply involved in trying to solve some of these workforce challenges and projects and all this stuff all over the country. And it's it's challenging, but like you said, there's great opportunities in that, um, especially as we get into the conversation about how we're treating people and developing talent and retaining them and so forth. Um, I also feel like, you know, we're still a little bit um, benefiting, and this sounds strange, Russ, but benefiting from the gift of time is what I how I refer to COVID in our organization, because we really, gosh, from the beginning of COVID, we kind of redeemed the time. We worked really hard um, on our business and our team and made really pretty critical investments in our future and three years ago. So I think we're still kind of reaping the rewards from a lot of that. And I can tell you a little bit about, I guess, since you asked about the iMethods piece, then I'll, I'll talk about Please. what we're seeing. I, iMethods, we're almost 20 years old now and um, started in 2004 as a, a clinical firm. Um, really, we're a national rehab um, player. So we did PTOT and speech, but with the business plan always being healthcare IT, we just had non-competes um, when we started. So we've been doing this for a while, but from the very beginning, it was always about, um, you know, building a great company around people. So um, our core values and our purpose and how we've gone about building our company has been, you know, the mission and then how that how that translates into the industry. So 
all that bleeds into what I'll, I'll tell you a quick story about um, 2019, right before the pandemic and how this kind of unwinds for us. And you're probably familiar with um, Jim Collins and Good to Great and Built to Last and all that. Um, I loved his work and I was really trying to figure out our BHAG, right? And over the years, we never nailed it until 2019. And I think this will make sense to you. Um, we created a 10-year march around the BHAG theme, right? And it and it has, I call it a balanced BHAG. So in one part of our BHAG approach to the marketplace, it's um, an, an organic revenue target, an aggressive one coming back in 2019 to where we're trying to get to. So it was a, a march from 2020 to 2030. So very aggressive organic growth model was one part of our BHAG. The other was we started it. We hadn't started the foundation yet, but we started the foundation right in the middle of the pandemic. Um, and so we'd always, always had a mercy ministry program supporting our communities. Um, and then in 2020, we started. So we have a goal to put a, a big number through our foundation in the next 10 years. And we're well on our way on that one. And then there's a couple in the middle that I, I'll share with you, I think, that are interesting. One, and it does relate to the what's happening in workforce, is this um, incredible focus on quality. Um, and the way we we have a KPI around it in our BHAG, and that is to be in the top five in our category and class for 10 straight years. And Adam and the crew over there has told me that I don't think anybody in our category has ever done that. And so we're thankfully well on our way in that piece. And that's really important and very difficult um, to keep the quality experience at that level. And then a little bit of how-to in our BHAG is um, our what I call our ICP, our, our ideal client profile. We're really rigorous and we have a whole process around making sure that we partner with the right clients. Uh, that has a big impact on our consultants, of course, and our ability to deliver quality and experience depends on who we partner with. So we've got a, a really tight goal over the 10 years to make sure we partner correctly and wisely uh, and steward our consultants really well. So I share all that because... We've been living out that March, right? They were in our third, almost fourth year of this March. And I'm just so grateful. Our team has been amazing. And um, because of that intentionality around um, investing in them, we've built a big leadership development program and resources around it um, and all kinds of things. Um, we are really healthy organizationally and culturally. And I think that's so important because we are hopefully impacting our clients and our consultants positively in solving solutions and coming through for them and all these tough challenges and these projects all over the country. Um, so that's probably more than you asked for, but uh, that's a few minutes of kind of a little bit about us and kind of how we're doing today. Well, I appreciate that, Clint. And and you're right. There, there are challenges and opportunities that, uh, out there everywhere right now in, in our industry. But one of those obvious big ones is just the concept of understanding workforce and what's happening out there and the attracting, engaging, and retaining of, of great workforce. And, and by the way, this is not a national issue. This is a worldwide issue. We've just spent, um, we've had events in the last couple of months in four or five different countries, and everyone says the same thing, whether that's clinical staff, support staff, administrative, it doesn't matter, technical staff, everyone's feeling the shortage worldwide and it's probably only going to get worse as you just look at the numbers you know looking just us centric right now you know the projections are, are unbelievable when you think about the, the real probability of significantly under under or negative unemployment in this country especially in healthcare when the greed the needs never going to be greater i'd love to, to hear from you what you think the greatest challenges are that are facing the customer base that you uh, so dearly support yeah, no, you're right. Though I mean, it's it's ubiquitous everywhere we go. It's the same thing in, in all categories of, of challenges and being understaffed. And so, uh, I, I think you know some of it. I what I think is is uh, paramount is what we've always talked about and, and the importance of, uh, of people. And, and maybe I'll share a quick story and why I think it's important. Maybe to refocus on kind of what we already know because we can talk about technology and 
processes to make things more efficient, all the stuff that we're doing, right? But at the end of the day, let me give you a quick story. So um, in my travels, I went to a, a wonderful health system and I'll call it the central Southeast part of the country. And and um, what I have found in the story really, I think is it's just what I see all the time. And that is that most C-suites and CIOs for sure are, are really you know trying to figure it all out, right? And strategy and positioning and innovation and all the stuff they're, they're faced with in the teams are really almost exclusively focused on execution. And so the story is I, I show up there, they had, I've been humbled and invited to come in and speak about management, you know, management philosophy and culture and people engagement and things like that. So as we talked about it, um, I, I asked them a series of questions in, in this meeting with the leadership team of this health system and, um, you know, how they ran their meetings and where they spent their time, basically. And uh, and I talked, uh, they asked for the framework and I told them that how we do it, um, not that we've got it perfect, but we follow the same rhythm and it's people, strategy, execution, and finance in all of my leadership meetings. And when I asked them um, how, what their agenda was for that leadership meeting that I was in, um, there was, there was silence and they didn't have an answer for it because they, they, it was kind of a gut punch because they don't have a people category in their meeting rhythm. When I talked to them about their stuff, they spent most of their time almost exclusively on execution, right? And projects and then how are they hitting budget and very little time in the, most of those meetings for strategy and, and, and really no time for people. And you combine that with what I've observed around, you know, oftentimes in, in Rush, you know this well, um, there's usually a disconnect in a lot of health systems between HR and, and the leadership of the ITIS departments. And so those two things um, create a gap, right, in my view, uh, of and, and maybe an opportunity for refocusing on how just critical it is. When I talk about people, um, I talk about, you know, attracting the top talent. What are we really doing? How are we doing individually? Are we recruiting? What are we promoting? What is the culture like when they get there? How do we onboard them? What are the programs that are going to continue to engage them and challenge them? And what do we do with professional development? And on, I mean, all the people stuff that we know, right? We all talk about it, uh, but does it make its way into our, our weekly, biweekly, monthly rhythms? And do we work really hard on the people front? Because that's part of my my answer to this is um, if we in healthcare and, and healthcare IT specifically don't focus on the people part of this well, you know we're not going to we're going to continue to churn right we're going to continue to turn over talent um, and we're not going to win those that figure this out and, and refocus back on how to attract and retain the best talent and truly do it. Um, they're going to win um, in the long run. Those that are struggling or just get, you know, again, stuck in the execution and finance pieces, they're the ones that are struggling the most. And it really hurts. Um, and they're not getting projects done successfully. They're, they're just, they're understaffed, under-resourced. And, and quite frankly, they're burning out all over. Um, that I see that fatigue everywhere I go. Um, so again, maybe another long answer, but that's a story to tell you what I'm seeing in the environment where I think part of the answer lies is just a recommitment to, the, the principles of people and leadership. Yeah, it's interesting if, if you just, again, if you look at any of the projections, we were just talking to our India chapter uh, mm -hmm. just recently, and they're 2.4 million nurses short over the next three to five years, just nurses. And we start adding about up the numbers in the world. Uh, we're, we're probably in the tunes of, of 60, 70, 80 million nurses alone short, which means everything else is probably going to be just as, as short. How do you see, what are your predictions for the state of healthcare and, and particularly the workforce in the United States over the next couple coming years? What do you think is going to happen and, and how do you think we're going to address this? Yeah, I wish I had all the answers, right? Wouldn't we? Wouldn't you and I both love it if we could just solve all the world problems on workforce shortages? And it's so intense, but 
I think we have some clues. Um, I do have the good fortune. I've been on a hospital board for about a dozen years and, and have sat on an innovation committees and clinical quality committees. On, so I have pretty good insight into what we're trying to do, at least at, at a hospital in Florida. And, and I can tell you that some things we're trying, I, I, I think, do give us a, um, a lens into the future, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, trying to leverage robotics in different ways, like whether it's physical robotics, right? You know, there's a lot of push around that today and how that really impacts clinical care. Certainly the, the hot topic, of course, is generative AI. I do think that, um, you know, as we all saw at HIMSS, there is so much opportunity around it. Um, and with our current vendors, you know, um, and how do we help address um, efficiencies, but also um, just fatigue and burnout? I think the, the answer to, I don't think we have an answer, Russ, in terms of how can we fill the gap with people, right? It, the gap is too big. Uh, and I know a lot of the nursing schools that I talk to, they, um, you know, that they have a decent number of applicants, but they definitely are struggling with faculty even. We don't have the faculty or the enrollees to keep up with the gap. So I just don't see how we're going to do it, even as we look to be more global and, and travel nurses. Like you said, that's a, you know, years ago when we did this, we could get nurses from, you know, different parts of the world and in, in America, and we could make up some of the gap. Well, today that's going to be, it's harder and harder to do that. And so I don't, I think the answer is going to lie and we're going to do the best we can to, again, back to attract and retain the best talent at each of our health systems. And then we're going to have to leverage process improvement and technology to to change the game, right? Um, and also the bigger view of, um, you know, where patients are seen. It, that's the big movement the last three years, as we all know. Um, that has got to change because of the workforce challenges, you know? Um, so I, I think it's a combination of technology, process, and location are going to be big parts of the solution as we try to go forward. So you talked about this this top talent, this elite talent that's out there, and there's only so much of that to go around. And at some point, you can't keep outbidding each other from a compensation perspective. What do you think makes top talent want to come to an organization and want to stay in an organization? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a, the answer is I think generally the same with a big nuance. The difference today, if you and I would have talked four years ago, would have been the location, right? Today, I mean, for my workforce, my consultants. You know, 2019, all of them were working Monday through Thursday all over the country, right? Well, today, unless it's an implementation where we have to have boots on the ground, that's flip-flopped. So I think the answer mm -hmm. around, you know, what is top talent looking for? One, the, the where they work has changed dramatically, as we know. So I think it goes back to, like, so the fundamentals of people engagement, um, while they're the same, they're applied differently. So I think the workforce today is looking for a lot of things. I'll, I'll share a funny thing, and you might have heard this, but I met a fellow named Peter Sheehan not too long ago. Um, he's a consultant, he's out of Australia, but he wrote a book called Matter. And, and he said something, I'm surprised I never heard it, but he said, you know, um, what about this war for talent? And he goes, come on, people. He's like, the war for talent is over. The talent won. And that's been sitting with me because I don't know if we, the management and leadership teams have really got that figured out. Like that, that it's not that we don't have any leverage as an employer. I mean, we do, but the reality is we have to just think differently, you know? So I think it starts with thinking differently about how do we engage our workforce and then being much more intentional, um, how we engage with them, what they want. But the fundamentals are still the same. What I mean is like a great talented workforce, an individual wants um, work that's meaningful for them. They want to have the right skill set. They want to be given some autonomy and, and um, liberty to do the work, you know, and not just do tasks. They want to feel supported and recognized for good work. That's a big one that I see lacking, Russ, especially in this virtual world, is that ability to impact people with recognition and rewards and true feedback in this world that we live in, um, it's very difficult. And how do you do that for those that are maybe on-premise and, and do that also with the hybrids and the, and the remotes? That's a challenging leadership thing 
that each organization I talk to is, is struggling to figure it out, right? It's, and it's not all the same. Everybody's doing different things with that. But those are some of my thoughts around it. It's a it's an interesting world, but it's a it's a leadership challenge, and and it's not just the number of people. It's who you have and how do you take care of them. Yeah, I'm not sure the war is over. If if any of the projections I'm reading are true, we're we're actually just beginning the the greatest talent war we'll ever have experienced in at least modern workforce in the last hundred years. It it, it only is going to get more challenging out there for people. Never mind the fact that. This is the first generation of senior leaders that have had to work across four generational types. Right. Uh, and not that anyone's better or worse, or you, and people get bad raps for being in a certain generation. It just means that the requirement for skill sets to, to understand what motivates a person and how they take feedback and how they want to be incentivized mm-hmm. can be completely different for any part of your workforce at any given time. I think it's just going to continue to to amp up the challenges to manage talent in these organizations. Thoughts? No, Yash, that's a that's a great point, right? And and but that requires, like you said, more diligence. I think on leadership and planning and time. Like, how do we tackle that? All of that. There's so much in the pot. Um, and then, by the way, that translates really well to the corporate strategy stuff. Like, how do we as health systems um, deal with the same thing? You know, um, as we tackle the complexities of generations and how they want to be treated. Do they want you know, virtual visits? Do they want to go to the hospital? Do they want to go where? Like that kind of thinking though um, requires time on calendars. It requires innovation. It requires challenge. It requires a lot more than I think we've we've given it time for in the past. So yeah, there's uh, there's no shortage of opportunities to figure this out, but aligning to the corporate strategy and the, and the generations and the workforce. Yeah, back to your comment there. They, they, I agree with the the gap. I don't think I've ever seen it bigger in my career either in terms of the numbers in healthcare. Uh, but I think the mindset is definitely, I think, is shifting um, to what it, what it takes to win the when the hearts and minds of the talent is definitely changed. Um, yeah, I mean, interesting. Well, yeah, I was just I was just recently talking to NHS leaders over in the UK, and it was nursing leaders, and and I made just a kind of a flippant remark about needing to automate workflow, and I said. We need to eliminate 20 to 30% of the workload on our nurses right now and just, just to be able to survive the pending talent war. And one of the nurses raised her hand and said, uh, one of the most senior nurses in the, in the NHS, she said, you're absolutely wrong, Russ. And I was like, oh, okay. She said, it's at least 50 to 60% of our workload needs to disappear for us to have a fighting chance to have enough nurses to be able to provide care. That's a big challenge for us is not only do we need to keep talent, but we all got to figure out how to get rid of work that's not necessary. So that's going to take a lot of leadership. And Clint, you've been doing this for a long time, uh, and especially at this company. So you've probably learned a lot along the way. I'd love to hear one of your top leadership lessons that you've learned out of experiencing a lot of ups and downs in this industry. Yeah, it's hard, honestly, to summarize like the biggest lesson. I, I think I'm going to go back to my drumbeat around um, people. And and because no matter what the changes or the challenges I've seen over my span, I guess, um, it, it's so easy to get caught up in whether it's a new strategy or technology or whatever and lose sight of the people. Uh, and I've, I've had um, recent conversations where there has been tough decisions made, right, um, where, where layoffs and rifts and things like that. But how you treat the people on the way out even is a, is a, an important thing. And I've seen some missteps here and there. And so the biggest lesson I have is let's not ever lose sight of what's really important. So, um, and if you take care of those nurses on the floor, as you work through the solutions to try to get to that 50% and, and figure out how to automate or remove work or the pajama time for nurses or for docs, for example, like how, 
that's a people issue first because we have docs burning out like crazy. So having leadership and CIOs and all everybody aligned to solving those some those people issues goes a long way in in solving these things. But it, it it's um it's it's a real thing around the the time that we spend on people development engagement with them, listening to them and not losing sight of that most important thing. That's my biggest takeaway. And it's been close to 30 years of doing this because I've just, I'm, I'm harping on it because I just feel it can slip here and there and I've seen it too much. So I'm passionate about having executive leaders focus on the most important thing and making sure that they've got time to, to, to listen and be engaged in the development of those people and retaining them. Well, Clint, unfortunately, our time is up today. I wanted to give my great appreciation for being on the program today, but more importantly, uh, for the insights that you've given out on our workforce, the challenges we have, and hopefully trying to not just meet them and survive, but maybe even find a way to thrive during these challenging times. But also special thanks for what you do for our Chime members and our industry as a whole. Well, back at you, Russ. Thanks for all you do. And I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. And thank you for listening today to this podcast of our episode of Chime's Leader to Leader programs. As always, you can visit us at Spotify or chimecentral.org forward slash media for this and all of our amazing top healthcare leaders. Continue to innovate, transform, and create positive change to advance and improve health and care throughout the communities you serve. Stay safe and God bless.